Welcome to Truthfinder, where we seek crucial answers to critical questions about belief. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Elijah Sadafel, and welcome to Truthfinder, the podcast. This is episode four, part two, where we are searching for a meaningful answer to the critical question, why is there life instead of things? In the last episode, episode four, part one, we went in depth to reveal the objective fact that the universe is fine-tuned for life and that conditions on Earth are fine-tuned for advanced intelligent life in particular. This fine-tuning explains why there is life instead of things. Now, in this part, we're going to search for a meaningful answer as to why fine-tuning exists. As I mentioned before, the facts lead us to fine-tuning, but an explanation for fine-tuning always involves a degree of subjectivity animated by ideology. Here, in part two, we'll look for four explanations for fine-tuning and leave the fifth for part three. So, in order to search for a good explanation, we will look at three things. One, that the evidence for an explanation must not be very likely to happen in the normal course of events. Let's say I need an explanation for why there are tiny purple handprints on the wall. Finding toddler-sized handprints is not very likely to happen in the normal course of everyday life since my family does not live in a painting studio. The second thing we'll look for is that the explanation must be more probable if it is true. If my son was playing with a gallon of purple paint, it is probable that he began painting on the living room wall. Why? Because the wall is the perfect open canvas and he is three years old. It would be very improbable if my wife pursued the same course of action. The third thing we'll be looking for is that the explanation must be simple, like my three-year-old painted on the wall. This curbs the temptation to create elaborate explanations that are unceasingly endless and that demand further explanations, like the spontaneous appearance of an alien purple paint machine that warped through time-space from an alternative reality. Now that we have our grading scale set, let's look at some explanations. So the first explanation for why fine-tuning is the weak anthropic principle. Now, you may have heard all the facts from last time and wonder, wait a minute, we're live and talking about why fine-tuning exists because we are here. So who cares if the universe is fine-tuned or not? If it wasn't, we wouldn't be here to discuss it. Besides, since the only thing we can observe is our universe, then who is in a position to deny that the universe is exactly as we would expect it if it is a cosmic accident? This sentiment expresses the weak anthropic principle, which says that observers cannot exist in a universe that is unobservable. To put it another way, John Leslie uses the popular analogy of a man facing a firing squad. Fifty expert marksmen aim their guns, fire, and all the bullets miss. The man walks away unharmed. Leslie then offers two explanations. In the first, the man acknowledges that all the expert marksmen missed at the same time for whatever reason, and then he shrugs his shoulders and says, well, if they all didn't miss, I wouldn't be here to comment on what happened. Then the man walks away. This is the weak anthropic principle that something very unlikely just happened, and we just accept it as such. The other explanation is that something directed is happening and the man seeks answers. Some people, including many physicists, 
accept the weak anthropic principle. However, the fact that we can observe only a life-permitting universe does nothing to explain the need of an explanation for why a life-permitting universe exists. In fact, this explanation betrays science because if we used this approach for experience in general, such as the sun is high above us in the sky and that's exactly what we would expect because that's the way things are, or human beings have brains and that's exactly what we should expect because that's the way things are. If we used approaches like these, then empiricism would not exist and it would be perfectly acceptable to never ask any critical questions. It is the height of irrationality to offer an explanation that is nothing or no explanation at all. So, using our grading scale, the weak anthropic principle fails in all three measures because it does not explain anything. It only makes a declarative statement about present circumstances. The second explanation for why fine-tuning is the multiverse. In order to explain fine-tuning, many physicists have opposed a model of a multiverse. The multiverse idea basically says that our universe is one of a massive number of universes and there is a prior process that makes universes. Yes, this still acknowledges that our universe is highly improbable, statistically speaking, but as a function of the huge number of universes that potentially exist, we just so happen to dwell in one that is life-permitting. The multiverse idea has many flavors, including parallel universes and daughter universes, but they essentially revolve around the same idea. Notably, the multiverse is not a theory. Rather, it is an idea derived from theoretical physics. Even those who champion the multiverse admit that the idea has not been tested, nor will it be testable. To describe the multiverse, cosmologist Martin Rees uses the analogy of a clothing store with a huge selection of suits. Because of the sheer number of options, if you try on enough suits, eventually you will find one that fits. In other words, eventually we will find ourselves in a universe that fits us. The problem with this analogy, of course, is that one assumes to be in a store with suits designed for a person to wear. Yes, that person may come in different shapes and sizes, but you are still in a suit store with suits made by a designer intended for a human being to put on. And if you were willing to endure public awkwardness, you could even wear a suit that was markedly ill-fitting. Realistically, because of the demanding fine-tuning required for life, you would be far more likely to try something on that kills you because the parameters for the suit have been set to something that is life-prohibiting. One of the grandest formulations of the multiverse concept is the soap bubble idea by physicist Andre Lind. Figuratively speaking, in this model, there is a large ocean of soapy dishwater, which represents the superspace, that gives birth to new universes. Small soap bubbles blow up or inflate in discrete portions of the dishwater, and each new bubble represents a new universe. So, every universe in existence has a start from a soap bubble in the large ocean of dishwater. Although the multiverse may seem like an explanation on the surface, it actually creates more problems than it solves. This is because the first glaring question is, what explains the multiverse? The soap bubble model actually raises the stakes because we now have moved from searching for an explanation for one universe, ours, to a model that presupposes the generation of a potentially infinite number of universes. Other immediate questions are also obvious. 
What is the mechanism that forms bubbles? Where does the energy in the soapy dishwater come from? How do the laws in the soapy multiverse facilitate the generation of bubbles that have different laws of physics? What explains how the energy in the dishwater converts to matter in a particular bubble? Any mechanism, like a soapy universe-making machine, must not only select and then fine-tune the constants of physics, but this machine must create the laws of physics. What explains that, considering that even the best minds in the 21st century cannot explain where our laws of physics come from? How does the machine choose the correct set of laws of physics, cognizant that if it neglected certain laws, life would not exist? How does the machine explain the original arrangement of matter in our universe as required by the second law of thermodynamics? How does the machine explain the order observed in the whole universe as opposed to a pocket of order just around planet Earth, which would be the more likely scenario? Moreover, there still exists the problem of multiverse fine-tuning. We already talked about many of the variables in our world that must be precisely set, some more than others. For the cosmological constant, a soapy universe-making machine would have to keep spitting out universes with unimaginable precision to get this constant just right, to one part in ten, trillion, 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 trillion. And for those who are counting, that's one part to ten to the 120th power. The soapy universe generator would have to produce a universe not only with this constant, but all others in the exact narrow range in which they exist now. Because the generation of multiple universes is far more complicated than the generation of one, the multiverse idea not only creates the demand for more explanation, it also creates a gargantuan problem from a much, much smaller one, relatively speaking. In fact, a universe-making machine seems as if it would need to be built by an architect because it is certainly not plausible that it came from nothing, an idea already debunked in Truthfinder episode 3. Even when physicists talk about an idealized theory of everything, they speculate that it would animate fine-tuning in a life-permitting universe. The speculative problem here is that it upgrades the improbability of fine-tuning and demands a bigger explanation for how a fine-tuned theory of everything produces multiple fine-tuned parameters. So, the multiverse and a theory of everything suffer from the same problem. The multiverse idea is more than a fantasy because no empirical proof of the multiverse exists. And on top of that, we have to ask ourselves, what is the multiverse? It is something beyond and outside of the known natural universe, which means what? That the multiverse is something supernatural. And why would anyone need a supernatural explanation for our universe? Because the universe is not simplistic, and you can't explain something that is complicated with something simplistic. Even more, no theories actualize the multiverse mathematically. To believe in the multiverse requires a healthy dose of blind faith, irrationality, and the total abandonment of logic. As Greg Easterbrook once said, quote, Join the church that believes in the existence of invisible objects 50 billion galaxies wide. End quote. The multiverse is a desperate and incomplete idea that at best 
has limited explanatory power. Additionally, the idea makes many, many assumptions so that even if someone who had no idea what they were talking about said, God made the universe, this would be making far less assumptions and be dramatically less complicated than the multiverse. We should always prefer hypotheses that we have independent evidence for or that has extrapolations from what we already know. Because there is no proof of the multiverse, this takes it out of the realm of science and into the realm of science fiction. Ultimately, the multiverse is based on pure speculation that creates an improbable, non-verifiable, supernatural explanation that lacks an explanation for itself. As Richard Dawkins has written, quote, We should always be open-minded, but the only good reason to believe that something exists is if there is real evidence that it does, end quote. The multiverse idea not only makes an atheistic origin of the universe much less plausible, but it also raises the cost of holding on to that idea. Going back to our grading scale, the multiverse idea fails because one, there is no evidence of an explanation, two, it is highly improbable, and three, it is ridiculously complicated. The third explanation for fine-tuning is chance. As I discussed in episode 3, chance is no thing. Chance has no causal power, it only describes probabilities when other causal forces are involved. Chance as an explanation is synonymous with ignorance and claiming chance as a reason means without cause or I don't know. Even the skeptic David Hume said it was, quote, absurd to believe that anything could arise without a cause, end quote. Hence, Chance as an explanation is not an explanation because nothing cannot produce any effects. The argument should stop right there, but there is a group of the intellectually recalcitrant that cling on to the notion that highly improbable things happen all the time, and thus chance fine-tuning remains a tenable option. As an example, consider playing poker when the dealer gives you a three of a kind. There is about a 2% chance this will happen, and if you play poker long enough, you will get this hand. But here's the real question. So what? When you are dealt a three of a kind, other than winning some poker chips, there is no special life-giving potentiality that makes a realistic and meaningful difference. You won't die if you get a two pair, and the fact that you are being dealt cards requires a dealer and a playing deck. From a qualitative standpoint, the formation of a universe is drastically different from a card game. Ultimately, in our reality, improbable things happen all the time because of something, not because of chance. The icing on the cake is that even if a person did entertain chance as an alternative, the probability of the perfect fine-tuning of the universe happening by chance is so small that it is statistically negligible. But you don't have to take my word for it. Mathematician Robert Penrose calculated the probability of the existence of the universe as we know it if it had been a random occurrence to be a chance of 1 to 10 to the 123rd power. In probability theory, odds of less than 1 in 10 to the 50th power equals zero probability. So, according to Penrose's calculations, the odds of a chance existence of a fine-tuned universe is more than a trillion, trillion, trillion times less likely than zero probability. Penrose himself 
commented on his calculations. He said, quote, This now tells us how precise the Creator's aim must have been, namely, to an accuracy of one part in ten to the 123rd power. End quote. It's important to realize that these odds do not refer to one improbable event. It refers to multiple improbable phenomena that must conspire to yield what is functionally impossible without a cause. All effects must have a cause, so there is no extraordinary magic in large numbers, especially when it comes to the origin of the universe. Statistical arguments do not exist, only arguments based on real causes and effects. Hence, Chance as an explanation for fine-tuning must rely on something else for its explanatory power. So, just like the weak anthropic principle, the explanation of chance fails on all three measures because it does not explain anything. The fourth explanation for fine-tuning is physical necessity. This one is simple. There is no correlation between the laws of nature and all of the fine-tuning in the universe. As Paul Davies writes, quote, there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever the universe had to have the set of physical constants that it does, end quote. Furthermore, the explanation that fine-tuning is physically necessary means by logical necessity that it is impossible for a life-prohibiting universe to exist, which is not the case. In fact, evidence suggests the opposite, that a life-prohibiting universe is far more likely than a life-permitting one. A universe totally hostile to life is completely compatible with the laws of physics. Furthermore, physical necessity suggests that the requirements of the universe were known before the universe existed, and therefore, by necessity, fine-tuning exists. Without an intent or design for the universe, this is highly improbable. Using our rating scale, number one, physical necessity would be required and therefore very likely to happen in the normal course of events. Number two, it is not probable because evidence demonstrates that physical necessity is false. And number three, physical necessity is indeed very simple, yet it is too simple to explain anything. So, Physical necessity fails on two counts. Now at the end of part two, we have exhausted four explanations, the weak anthropic principle, the multiverse, chance, and physical necessity, that have all failed to explain why fine-tuning exists. Are there any good explanations left? Indeed there is, and it will be the focus of part three, due out in one week. Until then, see everyone next time. For more valuable content, visit truthfinder.org.